0: Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you for your word given to us. We pray, Lord, that it it sinks into our heads, sinks into our hearts, takes root and bears fruit. Lord, we are yours. We are not our own. Bought with a price, we praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. What is the meaning of life What is the meaning of life? For what purpose do we exist? Not not too many people take the time to truly contemplate that question. We, We tend to be so preoccupied with the life we're living that we forget to ask, is there a greater meaning? Is there a greater purpose to why we exist? And we rarely spend time thinking about things that might be greater than ourselves. Maybe it's because we think that we are the greatest thing. From birth to death, why are we here? Albert Camus. Everybody heard of that guy? Yeah? 20th century existential French philosopher. He said, you will never be happy. If you continue to search for what happiness consists of, you will never live if you are looking for the meaning of life. Because he didn't believe there was any meaning to it, and if you continue to search for that meaning, you just fall into a a depression. Eleanor Roosevelt, wife of the 32nd President of the United States of America, had this to say. The purpose of life is to live it. Very astute. To taste experience to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experience. Very American statement, isn't it? And there are so many other opinions on what life is all about. There's practically another opinion for every person on this earth. Douglas Adams. (laughs) The author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy tells us that the ultimate answer to life, the universe and everything, is... Forty-two. What? Forty-two. What does this say about humanity and how desperate we are to shut God out if the greatest answer to life we want to think about is... 42, these are all short-sighted answers for a humanity in which has been put a knowledge and a sense of the eternal. The problem is that we don't want to think about it. We don't want to think about it because it makes us consider something outside of me, outside of ourselves. If there is a greater purpose to life than me, then I might have to change how I live this life. These philosophies, or even pointless answers, are emotional, self-centered, and at best, only partial views of a complete reality. Because they only take into account the finite stuff of life. They ignore the fact that God has put... Eternity into man's heart. Ecclesiastes 3.11. They fail to bring together the, the spiritual with the earthly, the eternal with the, with, with the finite, to get a, a view of the whole picture of our purpose here. All right, so God has placed in us a sense of the eternal, but has God told us the meaning of life? Has he defined for us not only a a knowledge of our creation, the fact that God put us here, okay, that's fine, but has he also told us the purpose for our creation? Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon seeks the answer to that question. He says in Ecclesiastes 1, 13 and 14, he says, I applied my heart to seek and search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind everything that is done under the sun on this earth, looking at only the things of life on this earth, the temporal and finite things, the activities of an earthly life, he makes a rather frustrated and depressing statement, doesn't he? If this is it, it ain't much. It's going to be over like that. But he goes on in that same book to consider the infinite and eternal along with the earthly, finally coming down to the conclusion that the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Now in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, the Lord says, Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. All mankind, created by God, we were created for his glory. If we were to look at these these two statements from Ecclesiastes and Isaiah as a whole, the basic premise for our existence on this earth is to fear God and keep his commandments, for we have been created for his glory. Fear God and keep his commandments, for we have been created for his glory. While mankind looks at his flesh and the created world to discover his purpose... The finite and temporal will never find its meaning or purpose until it looks at the eternal God who created it on purpose. Finite man can only discover our purpose when we seek that answer from the God of all creation, the God who knit us together, for whom and by whom all things in heaven and on earth have been made. As the Christian author Max Lucado has said, philosophers can debate the meaning of life But you need a Lord who can declare the meaning of life. Let's meet Paul once again in the book of Acts this morning and and find out what purpose God has declared to him. What what commandment is he to keep? and, And how is Paul to live for the glory of God? What is the meaning of life? You realize after today, you should be able to go out in this world and declare the meaning of life to every last person you run into who is utterly lost, and their only answer to life is 42. Acts chapter 26. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Acts 26, starting at verse 1, it says, So Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa. I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known it for a long time if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to the death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection... I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen fall to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying to both small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Reading of god's word go ahead and have a seat rise stand upon your feet no not you stay seated rise stand upon your feet for i have appeared to you for this purpose that's what christ said to paul paul has a purpose now now paul had a purpose before didn't he He had a life before Christ. He found his purpose based upon his surrounding culture, his idea of what made him feel accomplished. He was, in his own words, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He strove very hard to shine as a Pharisee, a member of the strictest sect of their religion. He found purpose through certain events or people's influence in his life. He was a student of Gamaliel, right? His parents raised him wealthy to be a Hebrew of Hebrews, gave him the best education. I'm pretty sure he went to TCA. (laughs) He had pride in his Roman citizenship. He went on vacation to Tarsus and down the shore at Caesarea. He lived based on temporal influences around him, and yet none of these things he was doing would have an eternal value. He was religious, but lacked a relationship with God. But God. But God intervened. Jesus appeared to Paul on that road to Damascus, reconciling him to his God and creator, and gave Paul a new purpose in Christ a purpose that goes beyond the earthly, a purpose that does have an eternal impact. Look with me at verses 15 to 18. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes, so that they might return from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Jesus took Paul and he opened his eyes. He took him from darkness into light, from the power of Satan to the kingdom of God and repurposed him to be a servant of the gospel and a witness of the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To open the eyes of others to the truth of God in Christ Jesus and the absolute necessity of the gospel message in order that they would receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those sanctified by faith in Jesus. Let, Let that sink in for a minute. The enormity of Paul's newfound purpose with the message that Paul has been given people can be brought out of condemnation from their sin, a right and proper and just condemnation of their sin. With this message, they can be brought out of that to forgiveness and to righteousness. From eternal hell to eternal life, from an eternity of painful separation from God to an eternity of celebration and worship before the splendor of His holiness. There is no other message on earth that can turn people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus Christ. In a moment... God had taken Paul from a very temporal and finite, as Solomon would call it, a very vain purpose, and has given him an eternal one. Wouldn't it be nice to have so significant a purpose in your life? So great a call by God. Do you have a purpose? Has God given you a purpose? Yes. You were created by God with purpose. You were created by God on purpose as you were knit together by him in your mother's womb. And there's meaning for your life no matter what your age or what your life stage might be. God's word has already declared to us that we are made to fear God and keep His commandments, for we have been created for His glory. But, but what commandments are we, we, ourselves? What? Specifically, what are we to obey, and how are we to bring Him glory? Verse 16: "Rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose." To appoint you as a servant and witness to the things which you have seen in me and to those in which I will appear to you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? Have you memorized it yet? The call to bear witness to the person and works of Jesus Christ. That's our memory verse for this month, right? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go and make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them, letting them know all the things about God and his word. The person and works of Jesus, that gospel message. Your salvation, just as Paul's, was no accident. God didn't go, oops, didn't mean for that one to be saved. We have been reconciled to God in Christ Jesus through his blood. And it wasn't just to save you from hell. It wasn't just to give you a heaven pass to keep in your wallet so the day you die you get to get into heaven. It was to repurpose your entire life. Paul says in verse 20 that we would repent and turn to God, and then begin to perform deeds in keeping with our repentance. Verse 20, it says, but declared first to those in Damascus, he declared the gospel to those in Damascus, and then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. Or in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where we are reminded that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For a purpose, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He brings us out of the temporal and gives us an eternal purpose. Reconciled to God, he gives us that same ministry of reconciliation, the the ministry of bringing the lost before God, that they too might recognize him and accept him, receiving him as their Lord and Savior, the same as we have. That they might see eternal life. Think about it. What in this life will go on to eternity. What in this life? Will your money and your job go with you? I guarantee there will be no place for a preacher in heaven. You will see him face to face. You will know as you are known. Will your house go or your car? Might be a very nice car, but it isn't going with you. There's a reason for the old adage you can't take it with you, right? There's only one activity in this life that will carry on through eternity. One the gospel. If you want to bear fruit in your life that will carry on forever, that has eternal significance, there is only one activity that you can engage in that will have purpose and meaning throughout eternity. The gospel. The things of this life are no longer goals. They are no longer our purpose and our meaning. When we realize just how short-lived they are, In Christ, they are now tools. not saying having a car is a bad thing and you shouldn't have a car or a house. Sleep out in the rain, okay? No. But they aren't our goals. They aren't what bring us our purpose and our meaning. They are now tools for a greater purpose to be used as a means of gospel seed planting because those lives in which we plant the gospel, when that gospel takes root in their lives and bears fruit, and they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, those lives will go on to eternity. You know, this is why what we're doing, what we're trying to do as a church family in going to that that single, unified church service is so important, so significant, hopefully such an impact. If we can bring everybody together to connect with each other in the love of Christ, restoring one another, caring for one another, building each other up, encouraging each other. If we can have eyes out for the stranger who walks through our doors and love them in Jesus Christ, if we can step outside of ourselves and and reach out to somebody else, setting our ego aside, putting the love of Christ on display and planting those gospel seeds. Let's seek every Sunday morning to plant gospel seeds, to raise each other up, to build each other up, to encourage each other, that we would be investing in eternity. Paul was not saved by God, was not brought to salvation in Christ just so that he could go back to doing what he was doing. Living the same life, chasing the same kind of glory in the things of this world. 2.5 kids. Good job. White picket fence. Retirement. How many of us are looking forward to retirement? Put your hand down. That's exactly what Satan wants to see from us. He he wants to see us just, just put the salvation aside. Don't put the ego aside. Put the salvation aside for a moment. Don't do anything radical or life-changing. Just keep it in your back pocket. Just be as ineffective as possible. Don't, don't think your purpose has changed or if there's any more meaning to life than what you had before. Be content. Keep occupying yourself with fun, with work, with school, with religion. Satan does not want us to realize that we have been called by God to a greater and very specific purpose. And that in the gospel, we have a tool that can rock the foundations of the weak and worldly philosophies upon which people build temporary and false hope. A tool that will rip people from the grip of Satan. From sin and death, a tool that says to the murderer and the adulterer and the liar that there is grace and mercy at the cross of Jesus Christ, and you can still have a greater purpose. The sin does not have to define you. There is grace and mercy at the cross of Jesus Christ. Repent and walk with him. To use the, passage of the lang- uh, language of the passage here, we've been given a light switch to take people from darkness into light. Verse 18, he says, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. A, a light switch that brings everlasting hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ that illuminates the sin in our lives so that we will recognize it for what it is and confess our sinful condition before a holy and righteous God. A light that shows us that what we have earned for ourselves in that sin is is death being forever separated from God. A light that causes us to repent of that way of living... That we might begin to walk with God in Jesus Christ, accepting his sacrifice on the cross in our place for us as our atonement, paying the price for our sins because we couldn't and in and of ourselves we wouldn't, reconciling us to God through his blood and giving us the hope of eternal life through his resurrection. Verse 8. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? We have a hope in a risen Savior. The righteousness of Jesus imputed to us that we might be declared righteous before God by faith in Christ Jesus, not of our own works, that none of us would be able to get into heaven and boast before God, you gotta let me in. No. He will let us in by grace, through faith in Christ alone. Paul had been enabled to turn on that light, given a message of salvation. He had been enabled to turn on that light for others because of two things that had been given him by God. First, his personal walk with Christ, secondly, his knowledge of Christ through the scriptures. His personal walk with Christ, his testimony. And his knowledge of God's word. Paul shared Christ using these two things. His testimony and God's word. In verses 4 through 11 we saw Paul's past. Who he was before Christ. And then he goes on to tell us of his personal encounter with the risen Savior. And how this completely changes the goals in his life. Philippians 3. He tells us, but whatever gain I had... I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. His testimony declaring, if there wasn't something to this Jesus, why would I be going through this? Why would I give up everything I had without regret, gladly standing before you in these chains to proclaim the gospel with a smile on my face? But this isn't just a personal experience. It's not just about the testimony. It's not just a kumbaya moment that you have to trust me on. What I have experienced lines up perfectly with what God has told us in his word. Verses 22 and 23, Paul says to them, to this day I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying, both the small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to both our people and to the Gentiles. He had God's word, and he used God's word to proclaim the truth. The gospel is not blind. It is, it is both experiential and rational. It is something that God works in our hearts, but that God has also explained to us in his word. The gospel truth is both tangible and logical. Psalm 34, 8, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you just look at your life and the things that God has done in it, you know he has carried you through. Look at those milestones, those answered prayers, those hard things, those difficult things that God used to break you and draw him to yourself. To take you from the temporal and give you the eternal Your experience, your testimony that you have is yours, and it's fantastic. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And then we read this beautiful Psalm 119, and through it over and over again, we we get this just knowledge of God's word, and he says, through your precepts, I get understanding Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Reason, logic, knowledge, understanding, testimony, and scripture, experience, and reason. The same tools that Paul uses to draw hearts and minds to Christ are the exact same tools that God has given every single one of us who has accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. You have no less than what Paul did in your hand. That you might reach the lost. That you might take people from darkness to light. From the temporal to the eternal. God has given every last one of us a purpose according to his word. Calling us to live for him. To to reorient our understanding of the meaning of life. And to live accordingly. Accordingly. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation using our testimony of how we know God along with our knowledge, the power of God's own word to take people, to take others from that darkness into the light. We know that it is God who ultimately changes the heart and saves and, and turns them to him. But God called Paul to be a servant of Christ, didn't he? For his glory. That Paul might fulfill that God-given purpose of mankind to exist for the glory of God, to be his servant and witness. He's called all of us who call him Lord, whose lives and purposes have been changed by the gospel. Has your life been changed? Have you been repurposed? If you have seen the risen Savior, if you know Jesus Christ is Lord, if you've accepted him as your Lord, you have been repurposed, repurposed to turn on the light for others, to fill the gap, and to share the gospel. Let's go out there and reason and love Other people into the kingdom of God. This is our purpose. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you that you would entrust to us something more than the earthly. It's really fantastic when I I begin to think about just what you have entrusted to us the weight of eternity the ability to share these things. Help us not to keep it in our back pocket, but by the power in us through your Holy Spirit, would you give us the strength to to hold our our knowledge of the eternal out there for everybody to see, to love others, to, to let them see Christ in us and be willing to speak the truth of your word, to learn it and know it ourselves that we might put it out there for others. Continue to sanctify us, we pray. Draw us into your kingdom. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.